Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! We're giving that a soft one. I'll tell you guys why. I'll tell everyone why, all the listeners. Um, it's, it's late. Uh, it's late where I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in my new apartment and, you know, I have to be considerate of neighbors. Uh, that's so right. I don't want to wake anyone up. So that's one reason. And as you just heard from that, maybe the, maybe, maybe you caught that little voice crack just now, actually. Lucas and I, along with some other friends, went to karaoke last night and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, my, I'm in pain. The, the voices are just pretty much gone. The voices are shot, but... Lucas and I are brave. We, <laughs> I know my. Neither of us sound super great right now. I feel like yeah, we um, we don't want to withhold content from you, the people, and this is just the best time Lucas and I have to get this recorded, and we wanna we wanna provide. You know, when when we eat, our fans eat, and we firmly believe that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And for those of you that are wondering, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, Welcome to the Black Parade. Uh, what else did we sing? All Star. All Star. That was uh, the. That was like the first one you sang. That was really good. Neil did um, Bad and Bougie. Right. The homies did Bad and Bougie. <laughs> that was cool. Uh, um, what else, what I else? did Gold Digger. Gold that was Digger. cool. I did a. I tried to do Passion from Kingdom Hearts, but it was the Japanese <laughs> version. And he, even if they even gave me at least like. American alphabet subtitles. I would have tried to sing it in Japanese, but it, they gave me like the katakana or con- I am guessing it was katakana to read it. Which, I mean, isn't the isn't that part of that song in English though? No, there's two. So for every Kingdom Hearts one, she does um, she does two different. She does a English version and a Japanese version. Okay, what was the name of the song for the Kingdom Hearts two TV commercial? That was super cool. It would have been Passion. Oh, okay. So it was that song. Yeah, and I actually think Passion and Sanctuary might be the same song. I think Passion's the Japanese version. I think Sanctuary is the English version. Oh, um, okay. I, I kind of forget on that one, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but either way, great songs. Kingdom Hearts 1 is simple and clean. Um, wonderful, wonderful music. All right. Um, Man, yeah, that was, uh, that was fun karaoke. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, it was great. Oh, dude, Chop Suey. <laughs> that's what really screwed my voice over. We did oh, Chop yeah. Suey, Chemical Romance, freaking. <laughs> that, that hurts so I remember yeah, at the that end was of it, Ricky and I were just looking at each other like, I don't, does it end soon? <laughs> yeah, that, that was crazy. <laughs> um, that was, that, you guys were, were doing, you guys did Chop Suey very well, though. I was impressed. We had to go for it, man, for the fans. It's never about us, it's about the fans. And that's why today, um, you know, we're not here to only talk about karaoke. We can also acknowledge that this is a gaming podcast. Um, and I, right. I did do a quick Google search just for my own pleasure. Our sanctuary is the opening, I think, to Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> passion for ending, moving on. Um, we're not talking about Kingdom Hearts 2 today, though I hope we do do that for the podcast soon. That's another topic for another day. Um, everyone, you know, Lucas and I, we, we typically try and, and play more, I guess, I think we try and do artsier games where we can. You know, we try and do games that aren't mainstream or indie, what have you. Uh, though occasionally we do like to branch into the more um, mainstream games. You know, like obviously like Zelda is a big one. We did Breath of the Wild. Cyberpunk, uh, Cyberpunk. was the biggest game that we did, I think. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is a very mainstream game, and we did play that like a year ago. Um, Titanfall 2, great game, by the way. If yeah. you haven't played it, great episode too. Go check it out. Um, and we, we like to take breaks once in a while, you know? Um, so everyone today we are talking about, you're gonna like this one, the number one modern warfare simulator. All right. <laughs> Call of Duty <laughs> for a modern warfare. People used to live here. Now it's a ghost town. Our so-called leaders prostituted us to the West destroyed our culture, our economies, our honor. U.S. Marines stationed on high alert were given the order to invade the small... Nikolai, 
waste to our country. We shall lay waste to theirs. You think this will stop the bloodshed? Dun, dun, dun. Fuck. That's right, the 2007 worldwide phenomenon. Uh, Call of Duty, the first one to break away from a World War II setting uh, and launch the series into pretty much what we know it as today, um, at least from a at least from a multiplayer standpoint and what we'll yes. talk about here, as well as a campaign standpoint. Um, 9.4 from IGN, 10 out of 10 on Game Informer, 92 out of 100 uh, on Metacritic. Uh, and my favorite rating, <laughs> 5 out of 5 from X-Play. I don't even know what X-Play is. X-Play was G4's rating show. Anytime I see uh, X-Play show up, uh, show up on like the the aggregate scores anywhere for a game, I'm like, okay, we got to throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> they had a lot of hot takes back then, but I'm all for Yeah, it. um obviously Call of Duty is a uh really really foundational game for a whole generation of gamers. I think the it's iconic. the gaming iconic the gaming world was legitimately changed for many years because of this game like when call of duty came out now every single developer needed to make a call of duty style game they needed to model their multiplayer after call of duty's multiplayer um, i got a lot of um did a lot of research on what makes the call of duty multiplayer specifically great um for this pod we're going to talk a lot about the campaign and sort of the i'm going to talk a lot about the history of cod 4 um what got it developed uh call of duty as a series where it's been how it's gone um call of duty there has been a call of duty game every single year since 2005 including two games of call of duty that were released in 2020 um warzone (laughs) the gift that keeps on giving it's 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 an annualized it's literally a legally obligated uh video game franchise at this point i don't think anybody has been as consistent with their video game releases as um as the call of duty franchise and honestly um, probably not (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for for good reason, you know, uh, Call of Duty is fun. Uh, I think that's like the best way to put it. I think that's what a lot of this podcast episode is going to be talking about is um, I had fun playing this game. You know, it wasn't um, what if you're if you're trying to judge this game off of any crazy artistic thing or creative choice. I mean, it does make a lot of choices. They're a lot more subtle, I think. Um, It's not like making choices in terms of art style that are really crazy, but it's making choices in terms of like level design, pacing. Um, sound design that are all playing a really great role in you having fun as a player that um, we're going to get into. There's some specific sound design that I really want to talk about that really stood out to me that I'm excited to get to. But before before we dig in any further on this game, of course, you know, we'd like to, uh, I'd be surprised if we had any listeners that haven't played this game yet, but uh, we'd like to give a brief explanation, a brief summary, if you will of um, what occurs in this single-player mode. And I, I don't know about how much Lucas is going to, but I, I think we are both going to dig into the multiplayer of Call of Duty a little bit as well. I think that is an yeah. important part. I mean, obviously, this is a single-player-focused podcast, but I do think that with this game in particular, it is important to, to dig into the multiplayer aspect as well for how it did kind it of It just did so much. It, it, it did so much for multiplayer and games in general. And particularly, like this set the modern tone of Call of Duty and kind of the basic template that every Call of Duty even today follows, which we can get into. But and and so many games ended up taking after. Yeah. And I actually I have an interesting uh, I have an interesting take I want to I want to give to the fans okay. and for you, Matt. We'll get into that later when we talk about multiplayer. Hell yeah! But hit him with the synopsis. The year is twenty eleven. And a civil war has broken out in Russia between its government and ultra-nationalists. Meanwhile, a separatist group read by, read, led by wow. Khaled al-Assad, who holds anti-Western views, seizes power in an unarmed, unnamed country in the Middle East through a coup d'etat. In response... Doing what the U.S. does best, they invade the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so uh, many problems there, but we'll, there's we'll not really that. like any. Yeah, whatever. Uh, at the same time of this invasion and this coup d'état, a civil war. Excuse me, I already went into that. During the invasion in the Middle East <laughs> to Al Assad's palace, a Russian nuclear device detonates, destroying the city and everyone in it. And killing like 30,000 American soldiers. Yes. Uh, yeah. There's a huge invasion going on. And yeah, just 
large loss of American life. The story then follows Price and the rest of his task force in figuring out who provided the nuclear weapon and saving the world from any future destruction. Nuclear destruction. Not my best uh, summary. <laughs> and we can get into no, that a little bit more too. It's, it's, um, there's it's a reason really it's not, not as that, good. Yeah, and there's really not that much going on. It's basically like, you know, political instability in an unnamed Middle Eastern country. Probably sounds very familiar to a 20, 2007 audience. U.S. invades to try and create stability just by killing everybody there. And then a nuke goes off killing a lot of American soldiers, and then people are pissed. It's basically one-to-one -one with our history, barring the nuke. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. yeah. And then, and, and then, um, you know, it's you, you'd float between uh, an American soldier named Paul Jack, playing as an American soldier named Paul Jackson, uh, and then a English soldier named Soap so Tavish. Yes. Uh, and, you know, you do missions of, like, special forces and special operations under Soap, where you're doing more stealth-oriented missions, um, you know, informants, kind of night vision, you know, breaching, uh, breaking and entering, things like that. Whereas the American side missions are all like just pure combat madness, battlefield missions. Urban warfare, just going through cities, block to block, yeah. building by building, very intense. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just, I'll just jump right into initial thoughts. I, I've kind of already started a little bit, but this game right here um, obviously ha is one of the biggest video game franchises ever um they can basically put very little effort in and recycle last year's game or maybe add a little bit more i they, they actually do a pretty good job of like switching it up every couple of years with like really reinventing it or taking it to a whole nother genre re, like not reusing the same assets over and over um i mean they just do that and they're just going to sell millions and millions of copies and make a huge profit every single year yeah call of duty is like brand name everyone knows what call of duty is like my dad knows the call of duty by name my little nephews and nieces know call of duty by name obviously me and matt do it's like you ask anybody call of duty they know what you're talking about even um, even parents will know because i mean that's the kid that's the game probably their kid played growing up right it's just exactly Call of Duty is basically synonymous with the, with the word video games for at least for people in America. I think I don't want to. I can't really speak for overseas, but I mean it's just like such a like when when you think video games, so many people are just gonna think call like Call of Duty, right? Yeah, and There's I think something for that... a lot of people too, that's what video games are, right? Because I mean, I have a lot of friends like this, and I'm, I'm sure you too as well, Lucas. Where you don't really they'll only play like one or two games, right? Like they'll get the new yeah. Call of Duty and then they're playing that multiplayer the whole year. Like that is their game. Yeah, totally. And that's kind of what it's meant to be, right? Call of Duty is meant to be like that game that you buy once a year. Um, you kind of can binge like zombies or do like the campaign and then just mess around on multiplayer with your friends. And one thing that's really, I think Call of Duty does really well. And I used to be very opposed to this when I was trying to get better or, you know, play video games seriously even though we were never I was never really that good is like Call of Duty is allows you to be like a selfish player in terms of multiplayer where you could just dive in shoot some guys jump into a lobby and fight and just kind of it's not a big commitment not long matches um you don't have to figure out where you fit on a team you don't have to fulfill a role you just it's go in there and just start shooting like us. how Valorant yeah. or CSGO would be yeah, or I mean, I played a lot of Overwatch and it was like you needed to know where you fit in. You needed to learn a character, all that all that kind of stuff. But Call of Duty, it's like you could just boot it up and zone out. Um, doesn't have to be ranked, doesn't have to be hard. Um, you know, just you just kind of kind of running guns and blazing, running guns blazing. And I, I mean, I think I used to really um, poo poo that a lot. You know, um, I think when I kind of shifted from playing a lot of Call of Duty in middle school to wanting a more serious experience. Uh, playing Overwatch, um, CSGO, and then eventually Valorant, things like that. Um, and one of the things is like, if you're playing CSGO or Valorant, like you'll hear people go like, if you suck or you're playing the game wrong, people go, just go back to Call of Duty, kid. <laughs> that's like a big, that's like a, considered an insult in CSGO even, and people say it all the time. And so like, I've definitely subscribed the last few years of going like, oh, COD is kind of basic and kind of ass and whatever, but... Man, I mean, it totally has a place. It's just to that, be mindless. That's exactly right. I mean, that's the thing is, I mean, it, you're, you, everyone's right in, in this situation. Everyone's right that Call of Duty is basic. 
and rel- especially relative to games like Overwatch or, like I said, Valorant or CSGO, or even probably like Rainbow Six games like that that have a lot more yeah. um, strategizing going on between them and between rounds and stuff like that. But Call of Duty is important too because not everyone wants to you know go home after their nine to five and then queue up and play some super and try really hard game i think it yelled at because they go five and six instead of seven and six and solo queue right you know yeah call of duty is important because like I'll, I'll give a great example i mean my friends and i um my older roommates that uh we all live separately now some of us in different states uh we'll still play call of duty together and reconnect over that once in a while and we're not playing it to like I mean, we've even said we're not even sure we like the game anymore. It's just like our what we do to stay in touch. And it's like kind of a fun yeah. thing, right? Um, and like, you're not going to, we're not going to do that over a game like CSGO or Overwatch or Valorant that like requires so much like tactical awareness to even have any shred of fun in that game. So very, yeah. very different experiences. Both are important. Call of Duty definitely has a place in gaming culture today, I think. Absolutely. I, um, I did a lot of research about this game uh, going in and the sort of the historical context that it came out. So, Matt, do you remember the World War II game series that was way popular way before Call of Duty? Do you remember what it was? Medal of Honor? Medal of Honor. Uh, that, yeah, I, Medal of I Honor. played a couple Medal of Honors, yeah. There were five Medal of Honor games uh, before the first Call of Duty shipped. I didn't realize there was that many before it. Wow. Yeah, it was backed by Steven Spielberg. I mean, it was meant really? to be a, a big, yeah. So Medal of Honor is a big series uh, backed by Spielberg, meant to be very massive and cinematic. And of course, it's like, you got to think in the late 90s, Spielberg made Saving Private Ryan. And I think like there's sort of this resurgence or obsession with like World War II or, you know, mid-century American wars and things like that. You had like, like think Brothers in Arms, Generation Kill, um, there's like a lot of popular American media at the time that was like really for some reason obsessed with like American American wars, uh, specifically World War II, you know. And, um, you know, I, I think that call, the first Call of Duties were no different. Um, Infinity Ward uh, was a developer, the developer of Call of Duty. Um, not not the developer of every single Call of Duty, but Infinity Ward kicked, Infinity Ward kicked off Call of Duty with Activision. So Infinity Ward made Call of Duty 1, and two, and then Treyarch developed Call of Duty three, and then Infinity War developed Modern Warfare, uh, Call of Duty four, Modern Warfare, the game we're talking about today. So Infinity War, we owe so much to them and their team. They grew rapidly from a team of twenty five to seventy five um, in between Call of Duty one and Call of Duty two. Um, they wanted for so long to create a modern warfare game. Um, and they were, th- th- it wasn't until Call of Duty 3 was finished up that they actually got greenlit to finally do Modern Warfare. And there were so many ideas that they had come up with. Uh, and I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff that got scrapped. You know, they had hundreds and hundreds of things that they wanted to do that they just couldn't fit into the game and they had to scrap. It's pretty crazy. I mean, just uh, think, I mean, there's so, I mean, it's kind of in the title, right? Modern Warfare. I mean, I think what we think about, right, with, like modern warfare, like what's the way war is um, waged today is going to be like drones and like missile strikes and things like that. And obviously like that's a big part of it. Like it's not really as conventional as it used to be. But then there's also so much more that we don't see that goes on, right? Like stealthy things that we don't understand or the way certain technologies are utilized, whether that's like phone tracing, things like that. Um, there's so much that goes into it that I'm sure that they wanted to include. And yeah, you'll definitely, oh, yeah. definitely be diving into that. I mean, what's interesting is I, I just got a few things here is when they got greenlit, um, they no longer had to hold on to the plot points of World War Two. So check this out. I mean, if you're making a campaign for Call of Duty and it's set in World War Two, you can't have helicopters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so that's already one is like there was no there, there was no way for them to do a mission where somebody like goes down and like ropes down from a helicopter, fights, jumps back in, goes to another location, which is all that happens in that mission uh, crashed, right? I yeah. think it's crash site or crash. Yeah, it's like the mission is you go from zone to zone on a helicopter. That was just, even if, I mean, the, from a technical standpoint, it was probably possible, but there just simply were not helicopters in World War II. So you couldn't couldn't really go, couldn't really go that route. Um, night vision goggles. Uh, comms, uh, being able to like constantly communicate with like the people on your team in a stealthy way, 
certain types of gun attachments, um, story like locations in terms of like, you know, they were able to set modern warfare in a fictional Middle Eastern country. You couldn't do that in a World War II setting because it's you know, already it had happened. To be historic. It already happened. It had to be historically you can't be accurate. too flexible with that. <laughs> yeah, and like the other thing too that's really interesting is with modern uh, with the other Call of Duties taking place in World War II. No matter what actions you take in that campaign, no matter what you're fighting, you're what you have is a net good because you're fighting the Nazis. You're trying to take down Adolf Hitler, and you know stop the spread of fascism to the whole world it's like there is just this cultural like this is the right thing to do this is like not evil or bad at all whereas in modern warfare you you do see them start to lean into like a little bit of a gray area type of thing where it's not like an innately good. They have to kind of show you that what you're doing is good. Well, Rather I mean, it's assumed that in World War II. Literally, I mean, obviously, I know we're talking, this isn't the game we're talking about today, but just con continuing with that trend, look at, say, for example, Modern Warfare 2, where literally an American um, operative, like, I don't know what his branch was, like CIA or like Special Forces, whatever, um, all for the sake of keeping up their identity joins a terrorist squad and shooting up a Russian airport. A airport, yeah, literally. And it's like, is America really being the good guy anymore if they're really willing to go that far? Yeah. And those are the kind of questions that they're really able to ask with these um, modern warfare modern. Era games and any really huge... Basically, with any game that doesn't already have a pre-established history, because, I mean, even if you take certain I don't, I'm not, I don't have a specific example off the top of my head but like even if you were to take a certain conflict where it's like in the past where it's like oh was america really the good guy like should we have even been there we're not able to really what we've been taught growing up probably is the narrative that oh america is always the good guy right now mm -hmm. i think that's a little different today just because of the way the world is right now you know if if in um if in 20 years the make a make a game on the invasions of us going into the Middle East after 9 11 and everything and just us you know staying as long as we did um I'm not trying to get too political I don't know the exact like semantics of it all obviously 9 11 was bad but we were there for a very long time and if there was a game made about that um I think it'd be received very differently than the way say we would have we, we we've been receiving like a game that's set in World War II right Mm -hmm. So very right. different semantics there and very, it's something you can only do with the modern era. That's right. Um, it's a little bit more context here too. Uh, the biggest first person shooter on the planet at that time was Halo. Okay. Oh, okay. So kind of we're in an era of Halo. Halo 3 is massive. Um, bigger than all those COD games, despite being a uh, Xbox exclusive which is interesting. So Call of Duty, which was multi-platform, was still being out, was still not outselling Halo, um, which says a lot. You know, the thing the thing is, is like, I heard it phrased this way in this video. Back then, it was actually really difficult for gamers to get their friends to play uh, Call of Duty because it's like, Halo, you're like a super-powered space marine jumping through the air, like shooting a rocket launcher and like chucking grenades and like assassinating friends and building your own maps. It's like, there's so much more that it has to offer, right? It's like, it sounds so like... It's 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 kind of funny, like this was literally the debate that I would have with friends was like, I had a friend that was arguing like, oh no, the sniping in Call of Duty is so much better because you have to hold your breath. It's like more realistic. That was when it became, it became cool. Like that's when Call of Duty started really taking over like the mind space of teenagers. But before that, it was like, how are you going to convince a kid to play like Call of Duty 2 or Call of Duty 3 over Halo 3? It was like, or, you're yeah, just a boring... Halo 2 even, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You're like a foot soldier with an M1 Grand throwing like a grenade and like you can't even sprint you know it's like <laughs> such a such a you can't jump or anything it's like such a hard uh sell but then when call of duty 4 modern warfare comes out it it has such a dynamic such a solid multiplayer setup that like it it just really rockets the game into where it needs to be where, where where it's really gotten i mean it's absolutely just addicting gameplay loop i mean we can talk about it a little bit right now the multiplayer in Call of Duty is just incredible, right? When you think about, especially when you take into consideration how much it set the tone for future Call of Duties. 
I think what's so important to realize is that with like Call of Duty 1, 2, and 3, like, yeah, there was multiplayer and stuff, but like it wasn't really a... They didn't really have like a clear identity, right? But then when you get to Modern Warfare 4 and really everything going forward from that, there's such a clear identity. You have a perk system. You have... You know, mm-hmm. these really iconic game modes like Search and Destroy, you have kill streaks, you have all that fun stuff, and you have customizable attachments. attachments, customizable gun classes. And that is pretty much, you know, there's some like basic changes to it, you know, like changes to the template, but that same template, or there's changes in the way they fill in the template, but that same template is still used in pretty much every Call of Duty that's been made since then. So that's for 18 years. No. 14 15. years for 15 years now <laughs> since this game came out which yeah. is just nuts to think about how a 2007 game set the tone for 14 years of future games and set the basic recipe to follow because at the end of the day i mean every call of duty is different to be clear and i mean obviously there's the jokes that like yeah it's a skin over each one but like we still buy them and they're still fun but yeah and for them to be able to take that template that's been set 14 years ago and still revision it year over year to create a good product is very impressive. And even just going aside from the multiplayer too, what I think is so interesting about Call of Duty 4 and the campaign in particular is it really established that with like these war games in particular and you know Call of Duty, you can be you can establish a canon in them, right? You can establish yeah. that these are characters that will reappear. You know, Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3, it all follows Price and their squad dealing with the conflict with Russia and how it's affecting the world at the time. I mean, and uh, I'm just thinking back to high school too. Like, I just remember like playing Modern Warfare 2 and Modern Warfare 3 and then like all this shit's happening with like Ukraine. Russia was like potentially being invaded by Ukraine by at that time in the Crimea. I'm like, oh shit, it's Modern Warfare Call of Duty, it's happening. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, and then, I mean, Infinity Ward has, like, the Modern Warfare series, and they just recently literally rebooted it to Modern Warfare, and then they did, like, Advanced Warfare and all that stuff, too. And then Treyarch has the established canon, which is really interesting, the established canon and, like, pre-established history, right? Because what we've talked about before, earlier today, is that, oh, what's so great is, like, when you do these modern warfare games you can establish your own history what's really unique in the future about like the way or what's really unique about the way treyarch has handled it because most of their games have dabbled in the past um up until like black ops 2 i think it was all set in like cold war stuff or like world war 2 yeah um so yeah treyarch did call of duty world at war then they did black ops black ops 2 they've worked within um the time frames they're given and the historical events they've worked around them to create these unique storylines by taking advantage of, Oh, it's covert ops. This is what really happened type of thing. Right. It, but historical fiction. Yes. But really. they still make yeah. it all fit in perfectly with like the, what actually for the most part was happening. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I, I love seeing stuff like that and I love seeing actual canons established. Cause like really whatever you call of duty, I mean, I love playing call of duty for the campaigns personally. I feel like it's like an action movie and I feel like every year I get a sick new action movie to play. That's how I feel about yeah. it. That has like established yeah. canon and established, I don't even want to call it lore, but established history within its universe. It's a good way to put it. Good way to put it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just go ahead and jump over more to the campaign game design stuff, you know, I, I think that it has like, like a great action movie, right? It has like really good pacing, um, really great missions broken up, like really, really good moments that are broken up by other really good moments on the other end. Right. So it's like, you're not just nonstop shooting everybody all the time. There's like missions where things are a little bit more quiet, require a lot of stealth, a couple of iconic missions in there with things like all gillied up or one shot, one kill. Um, or even kind of the very end climax, you know, where, you know, the gun gets slid to you and then you kill like the main bad guy sort of on the bridge as as things are kind of breaking down. So there's all these really cool moments like action movie style, you know, in, in the game, but they're, they're not all, it's not all loud all the time, which is what I really appreciate. Um, each mission really explores like a different mechanic of modern warfare. I think like people were really clamoring for. I mean, both the developers and audiences were clamoring for like a modern a, a modern warfare take, right? So th- they did not really spare any moments to really showcase like a modern weapon or a modern tool that is being used. And especially it's like your 
I mean, you're playing as like special ops people for uh, the SAS, but you're also playing as a United States Marine Corps soldier, like on the ground. So it's like brute force, tanks, javelins, AC-130s, night vision goggles, claymores, C4. I mean, basically every single tool that like the United States Army has or, you know, modern modern country uh, armies have, you get to use and kind of see. I mean, I, I, I never knew what an AC-130 was before this game. Um, and I mean, for better or for worse, I know what an AC-130 is. And or a javelin that mission, missile, right? Like all these random weapons. <laughs> yeah, and like, I, I just know that there's like a whole generation of kids that got military education in one way or another from Call of Duty passively while talking to friends. They knew what what certain guns were. They knew what was standard issue in the army. Um, and like, I don't know, even the, the image of uh, in Death from Above, where you're an AC-130 gunner and you're shooting at people on the ground, like blowing up buildings and cars, like that imagery right there, even with like the black and white or thermal scope and stuff like that, like that is for many people, their introduction, like you might have seen something like that on the news or videos in the early internet on like E-bombs world or early like live, like live leak and stuff. You would see those videos of like, that was actually that's actually what it looked like from those like yeah from those gunnerships and stuff 100%. and it's like that th it was br kind of bringing something that we all kind of knew was happening in the background where like yeah the u.s just had a gunnership somewhere and just would blow up a building or yeah. something in the middle east like it brought that imagery to the forefront in pop culture in america for better or for worse yeah, right that's it just such an did, interesting did idea too because i mean yeah, I don't even know how to like really brush on this without going super deep into things, but just the idea of, I mean, obviously like there's the whole idea of good versus bad, but I think with a lot of the conflicts that have happened in the Middle East, obviously this one is fictional, so I'm not, you know, let's not get it twisted. Like what's, the bad guys are probably pretty bad in the context of this Call of Duty game, right? Yeah, to be clear, they are. But, you know, they're basically showing you like the way that these soldiers would talk in real life, you know? I mean, like, oh, got him. Oh, like, nice shot. But, like, you're also, yeah. like, literally just killed 50 people with a round of your, like, whatever from your AC-130, right? Yeah. It's, it's not something... You, I didn't have these thoughts, thankfully, when I was, like, 12 or 13 playing this game, right? Or 11, however old I was, 2007? Sheesh, 11. Um, yeah. But, it's yeah, it's just interesting to kind of reflect on that today, being, like... Oh, this is literally just showing like how people and soldiers act when they're in their zone well, killing, I, right? I can I can see why parents would have gotten freaked out about something like this. Because this was an M-rated game. And yeah. I mean, we're talking about we were playing this game when we were like 11, 12, 13. Um, I mean, pretty much the I, I don't know if it was the majority. I don't have the full numbers of like the age ranges that played this game, but many people who played this game were not. 17 plus oh um, most were you know just sure. <laughs> be complete let's just be honest right and like i mean how weird is it if you're a parent and your kid comes up to you um and says like oh yeah that's an ac-130 that's a javelin hey dad do you know what like a claymore is <laughs> <You> know, it's <laughs> like your kid's like 11 or 12 it's like kind of i mean you uh, your kid might get a lot of that from tv or movies as well but it's just a little bit different and i i think as i've gotten older i understand that there is a difference between your child literally pulling a trigger and shooting from an AC-130 versus like maybe seeing a scene in a movie that is a pilot doing that. Uh, just a little bit more separation there. Um, of course, that's always a spirited debate that we're always having, right? Is like if video games are really kind of instilling certain things inside yeah. of the youth. But um, that's, on, it's just, that's it's an a, ongoing conversation, right? Yeah, but to me, I think it's just interesting to consider that um, you know, aside from the ongoing debate that we're always having, ask yourself if the AC-130 mission in Call of Duty Modern Warfare was your first introduction to that imagery, right? Or if you saw that on the news or you saw that on some crazy internet video pre-social media, you know, and um, just ask how that's informed, like, the way you view it. I think that's something that people should consider. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ooh, yeah. War, war is crazy. War is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, just moving on to multiplayer now. Um, I, playing this and going back, um, it just kind of reminded me about its influence on everything and how it really went about like dethroning um, Halo, I, I would say. Yeah. I would make that argument. Um, I think that like people 
I, the arcadiness and the floatiness and the physics of Halo were super, super fun for the time. But I think if people, audiences were given like a really good shot at re more realism with a first person shooter, Call of Duty like finally brought it out and said like, hey, this is realism done right. You know, it's like you can realism, but like, you can take 10 bolts and regenerate, but realism. Done yeah. Right. <laughs> realism in terms of like, you know, you're it's not, you're not shooting. A, you're not hitting somebody with a gravity hammer while flying yeah, through the air. It's a much more grounded everything. experience. Yeah. And like the perk system, like we talked about, was really good. Um, and I would argue that even the, the loadout system, like a lot of hero shooters that we see now, like your Rainbow Sixes or your Overwatch, Valorant, even those are actually extensions of Call of Duty establishing like a class loadout system where now instead of loading out like specific classes, you're just loading out as a specific hero in person. Mm -hmm. But point being that everyone is a little bit different going in, whereas Halo, no one was even different. You would just you were just all in the Spawning same playing with field. Like the BR and the AR, yeah. Yeah, and it was all like you if you knew where to find the guns on the map, you would go find those guns and you would go use those guns, right? So a lot of times Halo became um, sort of map control, King of the Hill type stuff, where you would always try and go to where the sniper was or the shoddy was and kind of play the game that way. Whereas Call of Duty, it kind of levels it out and just says like, "Hey, just load out with your gun, just go fight that guy." Yeah. Yeah, it's very different. I mean, what did you prefer or what do you prefer? Halo or Call of Duty? Yeah, I mean, I, man, I don't know. I, I guess Halo. Um, in hindsight, I think that Halo probably had more to offer in terms of like custom games and like just messing around with, with my friends. Um, I mean, I mostly played like just silly custom games in Halo back in the day. I didn't really play it like competitively or try to rank up. See, I was in the like same boat. I only liked Halo for the custom games. If my friends ever wanted to play proper multiplayer, I'd be like, no, let's go play Call of Duty instead or something, right? I yeah, only yeah. liked Halo for the custom games person. And the campaign's fun. But yeah, the second exactly. it got to multiplayer, I'm just... Maybe it's just exposure too, because I think I... Or like what I got exposed to first, because I think I played Call of Duty before I played Halo or the multiplayer anyways. But yeah, it's just it just hits different than Halo multiplayer. I don't know what it is. I, I did like Call of Duty Zombies, zombies more is than sick. I think most things in, in Halo custom games, zombies was always really, really great. A lot of things more worse I mean, just in gaming in general, that was one of the best things out there, right? Yeah, that was always it was always fun to like play a night of Call of Duty. Um, this was like World at War. Play some World at War and then get tired of multiplayer and then go jump to like zombies, a, a yeah. lobby of zombies. That was always really cool. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, just the multiplayer of COD. I, I, I know we don't usually cover multiplayer on this podcast, but um, seriously, I, I mean, the the model for for Call of Duty's multi Call of Duty for Modern Warfare's multiplayer is still being used today, right? Like, yeah, it's man, nutty. what is that? Fifth? I mean. 2007, 14, years, 14 yeah. years later, 14 years later, it's still being used. Like the, the progression system where you get unlock new attachments, you unlock new perks, you level up, you prestige. prestige. That I is not changed. Yeah. And, and here's the thing too, is like call of duty, you, you don't ever lose anything, right? Like you're always like, you're always getting experience for every single kill. So it's not a complete loss. Even when you lose a match, you still got, got more experience. You probably yeah. leveled up in that match. You Probably uh, might, you might have unlocked a new attachment for your gun if you got enough kills on it. Um, you know, things like that. It wasn't just all about like winning or losing and gaining rank or, or something like that. I think it it did a good job of making you feel like you were progressing towards something. Um, and the other thing, too, is you didn't have to rank up in every uh, playlist. You actually were always constantly leveling up no matter where you were at. Yeah. Halo, if I recall correctly, you actually had to... Like I think each one was play, tied to the playlist you were playing. Yeah, you're right. Like you'd be a level, you'd be a skill thirty in Lone Wolves, or you'd be a skill thirty in Team Deathmatch, or, or something or whatever, like that. Yeah. yeah, you would have to actually progress in each individual playlist. Call of Duty got rid of all that. So in combination with like the realism that people, I think, were kind of wanting a little bit, um, and combining that with like a progression system in multiplayer that really made people feel good about themselves when they played. Call of Duty is just, they just got a formula down. People just play. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right. Moving on to art design. Um, so this is, a, I, I feel like a lot of the games we critiqued with art and stuff, it's usually running on like Source or whatever, or excuse me, Unreal Engine. Um, yeah. 
This is actually running on IW 3.0 uh, Infinity Wards engine made specifically for Call of Duty games. And then they just keep reiterating on it. It's like IW 4.0, 5.0.6. Um, okay. Pretty interesting. But it, it, this game actually looked a lot worse than I remember. Oh, head. really? That's, yeah. that, that's what you're going to say. Okay. I don't know what it is. And I, I've kind of had this experience with just a lot of games from this era era that we've gone back and played actually like from the like 2007 to like 2013 2014 era or like basically anything that came out in like the xbox 360 or ps3 era for whatever reason it doesn't it just i don't think it looks good i think the jump from ps3 or like that gen 3 to gen 4 graphics was so much more than i remember it being and then i obviously like the jump right now from like gen 4 to gen 5 isn't like anything special but I don't know why in my head I just remember it being like looking great, like looking super nice. And to be clear, I don't think it looks bad. Um, I just, for whatever reason in my mind, I have this really super crisp, clean thing and I don't really, you don't really get that. What I did notice too, what I thought was interesting was I feel like all the focus for the art department wasn't really on like the set pieces, but just making sure that the guns were as accurate as possible. The guns themselves, making sure that the little nook and crannies were perfect um because i'd be looking at there'd be times where i would just like look out at a set piece or like the design of the level i'm on and i wouldn't move i would just like take it all in and just like the gun is so much what stands out the most as it should be right i mean it's an fps but um it's just it's interesting how much focus goes into that one little part when really you're exploring so much more in these single hearing campaigns. But to be fair, what's the one constant thing that you're also always seeing in front of yourself is it's the gun, the gun right? Yeah. So I just That's thought that so was funny. interesting. And, and I, it's not even just the call of duty thing, to be honest, like in the past when I've gone back and played games that from that era, just from my own personal leisure, I always think it like, Oh, I remember this looking better. And it's like, if I, if I go back and if I play a game that I played on my PlayStation two, or that I played on my Game Boy Advance or what have you. I have a very clear image of what that looks like, and I'm never surprised when I go back to it. But for some reason, I'm always surprised when I go back to this era of games. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I, I'm, I'm kind of on the opposite end. I think it actually still looked pretty decent. Um, I think, like, some stuff... I, I just think that the overall level design was so sharp in terms of like you know you go this route you do this thing you fight this guy you go down this corridor um and like i think that the way they kind of move the player in regards to that like they put like a flaming car here so that you avoid that route and you go this route uh in the campaign i, I think that, that was that good in our agency episode that stuff's good. Oh, yeah. 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 They do. I mean, I know that's not strictly art style, but I think that's more of what I was distracted by. I wasn't really like looking and going like, oh, this didn't look that great. Yeah. But the, I agree with you on the gun thing. It's kind of funny how like every nook and cranny and every every centimeter of that gun is like Pristine, to the T. Right? Whereas yeah. like it, you play uh, like, you know, I've been playing CSGO and Valorant. It's like that's basically just a stick. It like doesn't really look like anything. It's just like. It's not like a f- fully accurate looking gun. It just kind of, that's not the focus of what yeah. you should really be looking at. You know, it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think it's, I'm just not a big fan of like just the monotone gray, brown dirt. I mean, that's um, like every war game though, right? <laughs> well, oh, not they, so much they the have done ones, a, actually. Well, the, the Call of Duties have done a little bit better job of changing it up here and there. And I think that's, even when Overwatch came out, I remember that was like a big appeal was like, oh, it looks like Pixar, like it's bright and it's colorful and like. That's like the Fortnite like, appeal too, right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think people were really clamoring for that too. After Call of Duty had really taken over their mind for so many years. So even going back to it now, it's like. It's cool. I mean, it, it needs to be that, that realistic because it's trying to be a realistic military shooter. So it's, it makes sense. But I don't know. It just gets a little tiring after a while. Like a lot of stuff does look and feel the same. I think the the things that really like the levels that are really unique and different, like they're really unique and different looking. I think a lot of those American missions, um, you know, leading up to shock and awe, uh, they kind of all look the same one, like one level is literally the same level, just daytime. Yeah. Even <laughs> like, so some of it's like a little boring, uh, 
you're in the same city, so it kind of makes sense. But um, obviously, the things like all gillied up, no fighting in the war room, all that stuff is really sick because it's like those are big moments. So the big moments do still shine through. But for the most part, I felt like it was a little monotone in terms of art style. Yeah. All right. Going into sound design. I actually, I don't have too many crazy notes on sound design. Like, I think the explosions sound good and the guns sound good. All that stuff that needs to sound good does sound good. Um, as far as, like, atmospheric noise, nothing stood out to me super crazy. I mean, obviously, there's, like, good action music and stuff, right? The one thing that did really stand out to me, though, that I loved, um, I loved the soundtracks that played during All Gillied Up, particularly yeah. the soundtracks when... There's a part where you're literally like not even hiding anymore. You're just like being super stealthy and running between like a full battalion of people like hiding behind tanks and dunking, uh, ducking behind them and just running through a crowd. And every time that Macmillan, your captain says, ready, go. Every time he says that, like really intense, like music picks up like. (laughs) And then the second he stops and then you stop, the music will also kill. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this yeah, is, pretty cinematic. I feel like I'm in a movie. Like it was just, yeah. And it built tension too. Cause I was like, when the, when that sound picked up, I was getting anxious. I'm like, oh, fuck, don't see me. Don't see yeah. me. You know, there's, are, do, you, do you remember the part too where, I mean, where you have to get down and all the people are walking through the grass, oh, the field God, and everything? Yeah. yeah. That music in that part's really good. And like the music is the main appeal, I think, of that part because he's like, stay down do not get up like avoid the soldier and like what's going on in this part of the game for those of you that don't remember is a couple tanks are driving through a field you're in a ghillie suit so you're completely camouflaged but you have to kind of avoid getting stepped on or rolled over and the music is like it's just tense music the whole time yeah that was that was my biggest thing from that um but honestly that that stuff aside the i don't know why i just Maybe I wasn't looking for it because I've just played so much Call of Duty. It just kind of all blends in, honestly, to an extent for me at this point. Um, but yeah, it just it didn't. I didn't. I, nothing else stood out to me, to be honest. I do have a fact for you. Okay. Um, so with the remaster that had come out, because there's a Modern Warfare One remaster that was done by Raven Studios not too long ago. Did uh, they do a full remaster? I thought they just remastered the multiplayer. Um, I think. They remastered. Um, oh man, I don't know. I, I Call of Duty Modern Warfare remastered. It was released in uh, 2016. I think it's the full game remastered, though. Hmm. Um, we'll have to double check on that one. Uh, that the sound design they did not touch. They did not need to really? redo any of that. Yeah, it was, it was still That's just sick. as good. It didn't need to be like touched at all. It was just like as as it was, pretty much. Um, probably got synced up like, you know, with different frame rates or whatever they had to improve as far as technical stuff. But I mean, as far as the actual design of it, the, the scores and, you know, all that was all the fully same. functioning. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, it stands the test of time, right? I mean, once you, I mean, I feel like once you, with a game like this, once you get a good template for what you want to use, you know, there's no need to change it if you know it works, right? It's not yeah. as imperative to a game like the music in this game isn't as imperative to the music in a game like Hyperlight Drifter or a game like Oberdin or yeah Outer Wilds what have you yeah the music is still I'd say important but I think the main appeal of sound design in Call of Duty is just like how well are the grenade explosions balancing over the gun shots which is that's a good thing over to point the how well does it blend together right because you don't yeah you don't want everything something i mean this is how it would be in real life but you don't want it like this in the game you don't want one loud noise totally over overshadowing another loud noise right it needs to blend together well and they do a good job of that yeah i think from a technical standpoint and not for it, it's really really solid from a technical standpoint but from a creative standpoint it's kind of just doing its thing it's not really like super special as far as the choices that they made it's like that helicopter is at the right sound level so i can still hear captain price yelling at me that works, right? It's not like the the sound design. It wasn't there some crazy creative choice that had to get made about like that, right? It just needed to work, yeah. right? So yeah. uh, that's the way I view the sound design. I think. All righty, NPC award. Oof. I mean, I think we got the same one. There's no way we don't. I don't think we do. Oh, okay. 
I'll go first. Go for it. Captain Price. Uh, he's not an NPC. Oh, you got me. You, you play as Captain Price in All Gillied yeah, Up. I thought the same thing. I was going to put Captain Price. Then I remembered, uh, shit, I played as him in All Gillied Up. Um, okay. So well, uh, that's my that's my idiot, and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you got me, dude. So I got mine. Who'd you pick? Griggs. I got I got Grig, Sergeant yeah. Griggs. He's I don't know why he's like the one Marine in the Special Task Force. He just kind of shows up. Then he's your friend. Yeah. Um, I loved him because I he was like the most typical Marine, and I knew he was gonna die when he said, "How oh, oh, once we get through this, let's get a drink together, guys." Yeah. I'm like, yeah. uh, the only, in these kind of movies, in these kind of games, they only say that when they're about when they're about to die. <laughs> talking about the, in the briefing before the last mission, exactly. right? Yeah. Where he says, like, yeah. when we get stateside, drinks on me. Yeah, yeah. He says, we're going to stop by London first. <laughs> I think I, that's what Price, Price says. Price says, yeah, yeah, And I just knew one's like, oh, because I actually, I forgot what, I mean, I knew there's like a big faux pot at the end, obviously, with the crash and everything. I knew how that ends, but I, I didn't really remember how, like, how it all played out. And Griggs went out like a badass. Honestly, he was basically like pulled you from a firing. He, he saved your life, pulled you from a fiery car, was basically holding like an LMG in one hand while also like dragging you out of a wreckage um, yeah. and died saving you. So shout out to the homie Griggs. Griggs. Yeah. Thank you, Griggs. All right. Well, you shit on my NPC award <laughs> with a real one. Um, I'll give my Captain Price argument though. Captain Price was sick. He was fun to follow. He had a really, really great voice actor. He does. Um, and yeah, I mean, he, he like the whole the whole plot, the whole story really like comes together because of him. He's the one that slides you the gun at the very end give, to uh, shoot. Give me your best. We are leaving. <laughs> okay, so me and just everybody knows me and Matt have this joke <laughs> where um, Matt always says to me like if we're playing a game and like shit's going down, he's like, "We are leaving." <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I like was always wondering like, "Where's that from again?" And Matt recently was like, "It's Price. It's what he says in the very first mission of Call of Duty." <laughs> and like I it I played it when I was playing the Call of Duty this time around, and Price said it. I was like, "He did it. He <laughs> said, said the thing." thing. <laughs> yeah, he like. He's like, get it, get you, get up, so we are leaving. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> we might even be dragging out the each each letter there, each uh, word there, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. uh, fuck. We are leaving. <laughs> Price is so cool. It's so good. Um, yeah. God damn, even just that little noise I made right now hurt my throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're pretty messed up, um, man. Hopefully it's not too bad for people. All right, companion piece pick. You go um, first. So... It actually changed in the course of this podcast, which is interesting. Um, I, I put Band of Brothers at first because, I mean, I think it's just an easy cop-out pick. Uh, I'm actually going to put World War II in HD. It's like a documentary on oh, Netflix. Okay, um, I've heard of that one. I am, um, so everyone knows, if I haven't made this, if I haven't mentioned this on the podcast yet, I, uh, I love studying World War II history. I'm like one of the people Lucas mentioned earlier. I've always found it super fascinating. Um, honestly, probably stems from some of the Call of Duty stuff. But even before like World at War, uh, which is my first World War II video game that I played, I was always super interested in that era of history. And I've always done a whole bunch of studying on it. And um, every year I like rewatch. I mean, there's like three different, honestly, in a World War II and HDs. And they're all good. So I oh, wow. highly recommend checking them out if you have the time. I think there are, there's like one or two really good ones on Netflix. Um, and they're fun. It's interesting to... Get a look back into history like that because I mean, you know, and like I, I I think that modern warfare might be a little misleading with the way wars are fought today, right? Like, you know, obviously like in the, our real world Middle Eastern conflicts we had, we were doing, you know, there was a decent amount of like urban warfare and like things like that, but I don't think we were ever like outright in one massive push storming a city with like 50,000 soldiers, right? Um, yeah. You don't really see that kind of combat anymore. And World War II is the last war that was really fought with very, very conventional warfare. Like even with v the Vietnam War, front line, fought, like, yeah. like a, a front line, front line fighting war. another front line. Maybe the Korean yeah. War too, but that's just not as well documented in the mainstream media, unfortunately. But uh, World War, yeah, just super interesting to study up on that stuff and just kind of learn about that. And um, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's um there's actually a really cool World War One documentary I want to watch where they redid the whole thing in HD. 
they found like all the old World War One footage, which isn't really as well documented, you know, and obviously not talked about as much as World War Two. I think it's called. I think it was actually uh, supervised by Peter Jackson. Really? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah they'll do things they, where they recover the footage and then they'll also like color it in with what they think it would have been colored in as. Yeah, yeah that's like, always really cool. Yeah, is that what World War Two and HD did? That's how they Netflix? color it in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they did that for World War One, and that that footage is even really is even worse as far as technical oh, for like, sure. capability and stuff. Um, I think that one's called "They Will Not Grow Old" oh, or something cool. like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, super cool. All right, my companion piece pick. I'm gonna go with uh, the Hurt Locker. Um, oh, that's you know, a good kind one. Kind of a yeah, just kind of like um, honestly, I feel like it's kind of the word. Uh, I mean, it, it probably one of my favorite war movies if you can call it a war movie i think a lot of people like I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a war movie obviously it takes place in middle eastern conflict and american soldiers and things like that but it's about a bomb diffuser um you know in the middle east and sort of like the mentality that is developed over a long period of time under intense pressure and stress um and yeah a really interesting movie i believe it won best picture of the year that it came out as well i think it was 2008 um matt is fact checking me right now yeah 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 all right um yeah really great movie and i think in terms of like the modern stuff it's kind of the same year um that call of duty modern warfare had come out and i think that it was i think that american audiences were starting to really understand what it was like in the middle east i i think like after obviously, you know, Matt and I were five and six when 9-11 happened and, you know, the 9-11 uh, 20th, you know, it's been 20 years since then, just this month. And I think around that time, you know, Americans, audiences and um, politicians, everybody was so gung ho on having a reaction right away. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until several years later that we started seeing the reality of the soldiers that were out there and how tough it was. and. Um, you know, what modern warfare actually looked like because America hadn't really been in a conflict like that, um, you know, I think since the Gulf War or um, what was the early 90s? Was that Gulf War? I think it was Gulf or War, Korea. yeah. Um, no, Korean that, War was Korean 50s. War. Well, Korea, it was Korean War, Vietnam, and then Gulf War, yeah. uh, Desert Storm. Yeah, so it was like, you know, we started getting a, po a 21st century uh, conflict America was involved in. And that was, you know, I think like a, there was a lot of media, video games, and TV shows and movies that really started kind of showing what it was really like for our young men out there. And I think Hurt Locker is a really great example of that. Absolutely. I have a, I actually haven't watched that one all the way through. Another good one that kind of depicts... Um some of the crazy shit that could happen in the modern war too is um brothers i think 2009 film with uh jake gyllenhaal and Tony oh yeah mcguire it's a good one uh toby mcguire is a soldier that gets captured and like tortured and then eventually gets back and has like a hello major ptsd and uh jake gyllenhaal plays his brother great good little film you should check it out uh nice. all right favorite moment uh, i'll be quick with this one i just I loved that music and all gillied up. I thought it was so good. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm going to cheat and say my whole the whole mission of all gillied up is my favorite. Um, such an iconic mission. I like literally remember kids on the bus talking about that mission before I actually even played it. Uh, going like, oh, yeah, you're in a ghillie suit and you're like all stealthing <laughs> through and you're sniping people. And it just sounded like a, such a cool such a cool mission. It was still really cool to even play today. I think it's done really well. Like level design's cool. The pacing's cool. The, the um, level design holds up. Uh, to be clear, I had fun playing the game. I, I know I kind of shit on the art a little bit. That's more of like a very personal thing for me. <laughs> personal mm -hmm. preference on my end. All right. Um, nitpicks? What you got? Anything? Uh, the only thing that I found slightly annoying was how like... I don't know. Like my The AI, your teammate AIs during the campaign weren't like consistent all the time. Like... There'd be times I'd be pushing up in a um, a, a great example. Of this is the mission after the shoot. It's one of the last missions where you're with Price and their task force. And like you push all the way up to this farmhouse and then the helicopter evacs actually at the bottom of the place you just pushed yeah, up from. Yeah. And <laughs> so you have to like backtrack basically where like go through the, this huge wave of enemies and you have air support, but even with air support, it's still kind of hard. And like, I'm like trying to make moves, like, you know, getting up there, getting in the trenches, like trying to like push. Cause like, yeah, you have a time limit too. So I'm trying to be quick about it. 
and you know i'll like break through a wave of enemies all by myself and i'll be like all right they must be behind me following me right and then a straight enemy that like comes from my flank from behind me where i can't see kills me and i'm just like looking back at price like i thought i thought you had that one <laughs> you know it's like, you didn't get that you guy, get that guy? <laughs> like, uh, so there's like things like that are kind of annoying for me and I don't know. I, I know it goes both ways because it's hard to kill your character you're playing as as well. Soap, but I just I get annoyed with how many bullets it takes to kill these guys sometimes. Yeah, I feel that. Um, I agree with you there. My nitpick is uh, really different. I think um, one of my nitpicks is like uh, when you die, the the quotes that show up. <laughs> um, I brought this up to you, Matt, yesterday when we were talking about it. I just I think they're a little silly and out of place. Um, I'm not sure if the Call of Duty still do that, Matt. I know it's kind of been a mainstay in the franchise for a while, but like it's it's a little it's a little funny that like you're you're playing as like a basically a, you know. You're not necessarily a one-man army to the degree that like Halo has you as, but yeah. like you know you're a tank. Like you are out here, you're freaking. A beast. Yeah, you're a beast. You're taking like ten shots to the head and like still killing like a fifty guys or a hundred guys like in one mission. And like when you die or you get hit by a random grenade, which is usually how you die, um, all of a sudden there'll be a quote that pops up on your screen that's like usually anti-war or usually like uh uh like one of them's like. The old men start the wars and the young men have to go in and die. It's like very <laughs> like clearly trying to, trying to make so a statement. Profound, yeah. yeah, I try to be profound, but it's like it's the game is not anti-war in any sense of the word or in any sense at all. No, it's like, not at all. If it's not, it's glorifying I don't know if, it. Yeah, it's glorifying it and like making it, you know, gamifying it really. Um, and it's then it's trying to hit you with an anti-war quote. I think it's just very silly. I think it worked in Call of Duty 1, 2, and 3 because they, it was more like... There was more pride in under in in experiencing World War Two, I think, than a fictional war, right? It's like yeah, when it, it's a more righteous fighting thing. In, yeah, World War Two is like innately righteous, whereas like modern warfare, it's just like, oh no, I'm just killing guys, bro. <laughs> just <laughs> like it's like I'm just here in the Middle East it's killing just, these guys. Just, yeah, not. Good. And then they hit you with an anti-war quote. It's kind of silly. So. Yeah. No, I I, uh, I I fully support you on that one. Um, all right, would you play the games from this developer? I know the answer. We can just go over that one. Yes, for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, final conclusive thoughts. It's Call of Duty. It's fun. It has my Segoy of approval. It's a mainstay in American culture. Yeah, uh, same here. You know, um, I, I think, I, again, I went through a very long period of really like shitting on games like Call of Duty, specifically all the Call of Duties that had come out, you know, post-Modern Warfare 2 because... I've definitely been more on like the strategic let's be let's try really hard let's play a team-based game let's like you know get away from call of duty's basicness but man i'm i totally see the point um i think more now as an adult especially like man i'd clock out of work and i was so excited to just crack open a white claw and play some call of duty it was really so it was really chill (laughs) so um i I don't think i'll every game really is will be like that for me but it was definitely fun to just kind of zone out and play play through a call of duty campaign yeah yeah it's um it call of duty the campaigns the multiplayer always have a very special part place in my heart especially the multiplayer i'll be honest i mean again different game on warfare 2 but some of my favorite multiplayer game memories is just after school or like late nights 6v6 search and destroy with my homies just shit like that was so fun but yeah all righty um everyone we have reached the portion of this episode where lucas and i will give our ratings out of 10 10 plus 10 equals 20 last time i checked so the final rating will be out of 20 this rating absorbs all other ratings and is the ultimate rating ign x play mean nothing in the face <laughs> of thanks for playing. All right, Lucas, on three, we'll each give our ratings. All right. One, two, three. Eight. Eight. Damn. Okay. I figure you give it an eight. Eight's a solid score on this Eight's podcast, good. I'd that's say. The Kakashi, that's That puts you at the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg yep. on the uh, Kakashi guy zone, if I'm right. Yep, that's um, true. I mean, yeah, it's, it's Call of Duty. It's, it's honestly hard to give a Call of Duty anything more than an eight, I think, too. It's easy to dog points off if it's egregiously bad, but honestly, they're all just like decent at the very least. Yeah. Well, it's funny. What's funny to me is uh, this is a a completely separate gripe, but like for some reason, IGN gives every single Call of Duty like at least a 9.4. Yeah. It's like usually like a 9.4, 9.5. 
Yeah, it's like, uh, come on, guys. It, it's it. They're always at least they're always fun. But like nines, uh, you know, nine point fours and above. It's like that's legendary. I mean, that's high. You know, that's it's high really there. So it's, good. it's always weird. Like I think that every Call of Duty is a solid seven or eight. Like passable or good, great. You know, maybe not, <laughs> but good and fun. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not even getting IGN's a little whack. IGN's a little silly. He said, um, you finally said it, dude. Yeah. All right, everyone. I think that's all we got today. If you want, um, actually, not if you want, shoot us an email. Thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. Let us know what's cracking. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, TFE Podcast. That's TFE Podcast with an S at the end. Um, if you go into the description or the bios of either of those social profiles, you can also find our link tree, which is where you can find a link to our Discord. Discord's fun. We got a good conversation going on in there. Everyone likes to hang out and have a good time. Um, love to have you all there. Uh, we're building a exciting community here, one that is passionate, all right, one that is fun, and one that is considerate of one another's opinions. And I love that. That's right. I think yeah. that's awesome. Uh, we're also on TikTok. Thanks for playing. No, TFU Podcast as well. <laughs> so that's Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, TFU Podcast with an S at the end. And for wherever you're listening to your podcast, if you're on Spotify, go ahead and leave us a follow. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, you know, hit that. I don't think this is YouTube, but follow, subscribe <laughs> so you can <laughs> make sure you be notified of every episode when it drops. Um, leave a review. Reviews really help the podcast grow organically. And uh, let's just know that, you know, we're doing okay. So do all that and uh, come hang out. And if you want to keep up with your good buddy, Matt, uh, you can find me on Twitter at good idea Matthew. Um, I'll be tweeting a lot about soccer and the US men's national team probably for the next several months. So that's where I'll be. Awesome. Uh, if you want to follow me, you could follow me on Instagram at good idea Lucas. Um, catch me in the Discord though. Uh, happy to start conversations and respond to stuff. We had a really great conversation the other day about uh, Joseph Ross and his uh, fuck the Oscars stunt that we talked about yes. in our brother's episode that had cut that has come out, I think two weeks ago. Um, so yeah, if you want any kind of extra material or you want to kind of bring up a point or something that we've covered on the podcast, bring it up. Uh, our fans are really, really awesome so far. So thank you guys for continuing to uh, be a part of this community and help us grow and, and, you know, have a voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. All right, everyone, thanks for bearing with uh, my and Lucas's poor voices here. <laughs> and um, yeah, not, not our best, but that's okay. All right, everyone, this has been Thanks for Playing. Catch you next time. Skip it a bop. Thanks for Playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle 